Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to Brand Allergy Podcast. I'm your host, David Morrow. In the studio today is my co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing well, David. How are you? Is, it, is today a good day, Mark? Today is Every day is a good day. Every day is a good day. He's one of the most positive people I've ever met. He always says you can make it a crappy day or you can make it an awesome day, and I choose to make it an awesome day. So Attitude is a choice. Yeah, I love I love not a, that. Not a reflection of circumstances. It is a choice. I absolutely love hearing that. So that's great. That's great to hear. Today we have an excellent guest, special guest, Heather Hansen. Heather, welcome. Thank you, David and Mark, for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. Great. That's great. So let's go ahead and let's get started. We're going to um, find out about brands, leadership, talk about culture, talk about all the good things, female leadership, all of the good things, social responsibility. That's what this podcast is all about. But really, it's all about brand culture trivia. And that's a very short segment of the game. We'll do that. Well, of the podcast, we'll do that later on in the episode. So let's start from the top. Heather, kind of introduce yourself. Tell us, you know, where you're from, what you do now, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, sounds good. Again, thank you so much for having me today. Um, so uh, first and foremost, I'm a, a wife and mom, and thanks to COVID, I'm a school teacher now of a five-year-old, so that's fun. That's um, but I, yes, I'm currently the director of product at Docket, which is a SaaS platform for managing intelligent meetings. And I get the honor of overseeing uh, several different departments right now, our product implementation, our design guidance, and also our customer success. Okay, so what, what is Docket? Explain that to us. Okay, so Docket, again, it's a meeting intelligence platform. So it is designed to help you have better meetings. If you think about all of the different parts of the process of the meeting, you've got before, during, and after. You don't just have the meeting itself. There's a lot of work that it takes to get to that meeting, to get through that meeting, and to get the work done that that meeting was created for. So Docket is there to facilitate that with different cues and tools and mechanisms to help you collaborate and communicate better around your meetings. Okay, very cool. So is it, and, and, and I find the brand interesting. Um, it, well, when, when did it get started? Like who, who started it? 
So it was started through the High Alpha Studio. If you're an Indianapolis-based person, you're probably very familiar with High Alpha Innovation. Absolutely. Um, so we're very blessed that they uh, they dreamed up the idea. And it was born and launched in January of 2019. So uh, we've been around for a year and a half now, still in, in startup mode. So it's and, in a startup. Uh, okay, so it's it's yes. definitely in, in startup mode. Okay. Yes. Okay, I've worked with startups before, and that's... That's intense and fun and exciting. You wear a million different hats. and Yes, you do. You are the CEO, janitor, accountant, everything all at once, all yes, within I tell the my same boss, hour. I, yeah. I tell my boss, I just don't clean toilets. That's the only thing right, I'm not exactly. going to do. I'll do anything else. Somewhere. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly right. I'm, I'm interested to hear with that platform um, in the onset of, of COVID, uh, with everybody doing, you know, meetings and trying to get so much more out of them, and everybody's on a Zoom or a Google Meet or Microsoft Teams, has that helped hurt or changed your business in any way with the pandemic? Definitely helped because of the fact that everything is relying on remote tool sets right now. So um, the ease of being able to sign up for the products, the ease of being able to have your team join the product, and again, it's all about collaboration. It isn't about one person. It's about the many people that need to get work done. Um, so there was definitely an uptick. I know uh, everyone's been following Zoom success. Uh, we partner with Zoom on several fronts. And so we've been very fortunate as a company to be able to be there and serve people in that time of need. So how, did, how is Docket related to Zoom for those that might only use Zoom or might only use Microsoft Teams? Does Docket integrate with that? Yes. Uh, so we have many uh, different integrations. If you, again, think about a meeting, you need video conferencing, you need to communicate through chats, um, you need to organize through different document organization tools, um, and you need to assign tasks to people. So there's many different facets. Everybody has a different combination. Even a singular organization may have a multitude of different tools that they use. So with Docket, it was very important that we built out that infrastructure to not only give you the, the tools that you needed to be more efficient, <clears throat> excuse me, but also bringing your current tool sets together. So if there was something that you relied on as an organization, you can continue to do that alongside with Docket. Okay, interesting, interesting. And now you are, um, you're Indianapolis based? That's correct, right in the heart of. Are you born and raised here or where are you from? I am originally from Boston, born and raised. Yeah, I didn't uh, then, think that, I didn't think you had the, the Indianapolis accent, no offense to all of our Indianapolis people. It's a um, beautiful accent. Yeah. Um, I don't have the Boston accent either. I no, you don't. Quickly. No, 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 you don't. We, we have, we have a lot, we're a national company. So we're in meetings all day long with a whole group of people from Boston and California and down South and everything. So it's like a potpourri of accents and you like need a <laughs> translator to understand some of our meetings. I'm like, what did he just, what did they just say? Like, Oh, I'm, it's so fun. Yeah. It's, it's so really fun, cool. Yeah. yeah I one country, we're like a total mix. It's so yes. weird. Yeah. I, I moved to Ohio when I was a child and oh, okay. yeah. fun of my accent. And so you had to lose the Boston accent very quickly. Now I, I'm sure. sad I don't have it anymore. Well, that's good. What part of Ohio did you live in? In Dayton. Good old Dayton. Oh, okay. Okay. I lived in, I lived up by Akron, Cleveland area, and then I had also lived around the Columbus area. Loved yes. Ohio. I thought Ohio yes. was a great state. 
It Fantastic. is. It's a great state for yeah. family. There's a lot of tech coming into the area. Uh, yeah. Indianapolis was right up the street, and it was yeah. a, a nice career transition to come up here and make a new yeah. network, and now I'm here. That's great. That's great. And you have a five-year-old, you said? I do. He's amazing, and he's tolerating every minute of being stuck at home with his family. So <laughs> well, very that's, grateful. That's, that's good. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, and that's the most important thing, too. Yeah. Hey everyone, the Brandology team has a special coming soon, and it's the rise and fall of an iconic international social media platform. At its peak, the website was valued at over $12 billion and had 75,000 new users every day. But within a few short years, it was liquidated and sold for pennies on the dollar. What went wrong? What caused this huge brand to fizzle? It was launched in 2004 and was acquired just a year later for over a half a billion dollars from Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. In fact, for the next three years, it was the largest social media site in the world. In 2006, it surpassed Google as the most visited site in the United States. So where in the world is it? Why is your new band's music not on it? Why do you not have an account on it anymore? Why even is this ridiculous podcast not hosted on it? What happened? Come listen as we explore in this next series the rise and fall of the iconic social media platform, MySpace. So um, let, let's, let's talk about you know, some of the, the key things. Before working at Docket, like where did you where did you work obviously you've got a five-year-old probably a mom for a while focused on the most difficult job in the world um you know uh my wife you know has raised four kids and i it's the hardest the most work i've ever seen anybody do so um how in the world um like what were you doing before before that before before he was born Sure. Um, so my career really started in the automotive industry, software automotive industry. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah, I worked for a company called Reynolds and Reynolds, and they created yeah. everything that a dealership needed. The hardware. Oh yeah, the they're huge. Reynolds and Reynolds yeah. is huge. Yes, and so I'm very fortunate that as I stepped in the door and not feeling qualified for the role, I started in client success, and I was really really lucky to be there at the time they were making a transition from just being support, you know, helping somebody when they needed something to actually working with customers to educate them, to build out the knowledge base, to help them become smarter, to help the consultants that, uh, that sat in the chairs I did to become more intelligent about running a dealership business and um, just really excelling that part of the suite of offerings that they had. Um, so it was a, a fantastic experience learning how to serve people, learning about all um, areas of the product, and I had some really great people as mentors as well. So after after Reynolds and Reynolds, what um, what led you down the path that you're on now? Was there a, a life event, a certain individual, a desire to to make a change? How did that? That's a great question. Um, so I was at Reynolds for 13 years. Uh, I saw several, seven different positions while I was there. Um, so it really started while I was there and the different transitions I went through. Um, they were very much about finding your career path. What do you want to do next? 
And it, it's kind of like when you're college and people are saying, you know, you need to identify what your career is going to be. And you're like, I don't know. I just, I want to see what's going to happen. I know I need to be prepared, but help me, help me just enjoy where I'm at and then let those doors open. And that's really what happened. Um, I would be sitting in a chair of, you know, client success and uh, get to work with a cross-functional team on an exciting project and see somebody that inspired me or a role that seemed interesting. And then a few years later, I'd go for it. And so it was really about uh, networking in the company, observing what other people were doing, what uh, opportunities there were. And, and it, it really grew my career. I worked in several different areas there um, after client success. Um, I worked in release management, so getting to work on the, the entire corporate releases of the new product, which meant a lot of work with cross-functional teams. I met product managers and started learning about product management and uh, ultimately became a product manager for several of the different products that they had. And then I also worked with their advisory board. So getting to um, run events with customers, top customers from the US and Canada, um, understanding their experiences, being a liaison for them at, between the customer and um, our top personnel, and just trying to carry forth the message of their needs and making sure that, that they were taken care of. It sounds like you probably had pretty good leadership while you were there. Would you classify it as that? Absolutely. Um, it's very hard as I've taken other roles to not compare because that company really seemed to know what they were doing. And uh, I learned so much from so many people. I say that because one of uh, David and I's shared kind of fundamental beliefs is if, if you hire the right people and you find the right seat for them to be in, they will help develop a culture that will actually help the business grow. Would you say maybe you experienced that at Reynolds and Reynolds? I did every every day. Um, the people that I worked with were still friends today. We still support each other, um, and our customers really liked the people in our company. Whether it was a salesperson or somebody in support that they they partnered with to solve problems, you know, you you really have to grow as a company and have that solid culture so that that bleeds out to your customers and it it really makes a huge difference that's yeah. great so let me ask you this what i mean you would agree would you not that like people can lead from any role regardless of title i mean that's one of the things we really try and promote and that is to to instill in projects and to instill in middle managers and frontline employees and, you know, regardless of the industry, to have people step up and lead. That's correct. I think um, it's really important that the leaders of the company make that clear, though. I know I've sat mm. in many chairs where it was very obvious the leader was the leader. And then that was the only way it was going to be. And I think that's something we have to be cognizant of every day, all of us, even if you, you walk in the door and say that that's who you are, that you support your team and, and you want them to excel, you need to check that at the door every day and make sure that that is truly what you're, you're doing. And that gets back to the leaders versus managers dichotomy, right? I mean, absolutely. Because there are managers who are like, you know, have you made this number of calls and have you done this and have you done that? And, well, you know, your numbers are down, but, you know, if they don't come up, I don't know what's going to happen. 
you know, well, how motivated is that employee to do anything other than look for another job? Like as opposed to inspiring them, showing them that they're safe and then showing them what's asking them what's wrong. Like, well, how come your numbers are down? What's going on? Is something going on at home? Like, you know, and, and have confidence and confidentiality. Can we help you with that? Is there something that, that you know, uh, else, something else at play at work that's that that's keeping that, that, that then they can, because you hired them for a reason, you thought they could do the job. So, so you know, there's so much money lost in resources and time in attrition. And people don't look at that. Like, they don't think so. They, they, they just think, they can't do the job, they must suck, so I'm gonna get somebody better. And it's just a constant churn, and it's really bad for business. Like, the math is super clear that that's really bad, right? So why can't we just connect, support, protect those people, and then coach them up? I think a lot of that ultimately comes down to whether the employee is inspired with the vision that the leadership mm -hmm. is running with, right? So yeah. you have your big corporate meeting every year or every quarter, and these are our goals. This is our mission. This is what we're striving for. These are our top KPIs, whatever those things might be. And you get everyone inspired and maybe they get a free t-shirt or everybody got launched at that, that session. But did they really walk away understanding what that meant for them? I know right. um, I worked at, at Salesforce just before I started working at Docket. And one of the things I really loved about many things about working at Salesforce um, was in regard to your end of year review. It, it's typical in a company that that starts with the employee and they share all the great things that they've done and the goals that they've met or exceeded. And at Salesforce, it starts at the top and it works its way down to employees. So the CEO of the company shares what it was he intended to do and how he accomplished that. Then that trickles back down to all of his managers and their managers all the way down to that front line. Right. And that, that reversal was just so inspiring for me that we were on the same page. It wasn't just what Heather did and then my manager could play off of that. You know, right. they accomplished things because Heather did that. It was um, very inspiring to be able to follow that model. Well, and Salesforce has an inspiring leader too, right? A charismatic leader, a very, Absolutely. yeah. So somebody who's definitely not shy at a party, I imagine, right? Yes. Like, very, very outspoken and with a clear vision. So, um, yeah, so that's good. That's good. Well, speaking of that, what um, I know oftentimes we, when we talk to people, they can point to maybe a particular event or a particular person that's just inspired them in their life. Looking back over what you've done, um, is there anybody you can point to or any event that you can point out that you would say inspired you? I get that question a lot. I wish I had this amazing story. <laughs> this but it really moment, right? Right, right. There was lightning and thunder and it was great. Um, it, it's really my parents. They worked so hard to have what they had. And, you know, I won't say it was an American dream. It was a tough life right and so um you know seeing my dad work multiple jobs or seeing what my mom had to do um to keep a family of six going uh, in tough times it there was never this like give up there might have been tears and frustration but there was never a give up it was always be proactive 
serve other people, get to know other people. You know, networking before it was a thing was, you know, about getting to know people and um, just always trying to do the right thing, really. Interesting. That's good. That's good words of advice. Very good words. So what, what's, what's some of the best kind of values that you find in a healthy culture compared to like a toxic culture? I mean, we've all worked for places that have been better than others. What makes them better than others? Because it's not, you know, for our millennial listeners, it's, it's, not, it's not free food and beanbags and open plan, right? Because we've done that and still that's not part of it. It seems to be more of giving everybody purpose and letting them know that they are making an impact. And to me, that, that is directly tied to, to helping them feel comfortable and leading. Yeah, I think um, there's so many different things that make up culture because it's about the the mix of human beings that are you know together in a room or together in a building. Um, for me, I think it's really about being transparent with each other and their customers, uh, and any of your customers, as well as autonomy. You know, if you think about um, if you're in a, a company that isn't open with each other. You know, you have somebody in leadership that doesn't tell the truth or that uses other people's work to their advantage. Um, it, it doesn't inspire you to want to be a team and to work together. And if you feel like you can't walk into a room and share your ideas or ever see your ideas come to fruition in some way, um, you just don't feel like you're a part of, of the team. So to me, really culture, it's the heart of the company. Like when you walk into a house, you see things like furniture and art and pictures and something that tells you who that person or those people are in that home, um, probably some food as well. Um, and it either makes you feel welcome or it makes you feel unwelcome or it'll make you feel happy or unhappy either way. And so to me, a company's culture is really about inspiring that welcome and that safety and, and that happiness that you feel when you walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, I always look at people like Bob Chapman, the CEO of Barry Waymiller, right? I mean, it's just, he has instilled one of the best employee-based cultures in, in America. Like there's books on it. There's Harvard Business School studies about how he did it. And he, he came in, he inherited the business and took it over. And it was just a horrible culture. Like people, it was top down and and they did little things like people in the factory had to buzz in and buzz out. They had to punch a clock. They weren't able to make personal phone calls ever, right? But somebody that was sitting behind a desk could, right? There was second class citizens there, right? And he changed all of that. He, he just, he trusted the employees and the business skyrocketed, right? Because now the frontline workers all of a sudden had faith in the vision. Like they had faith in the CEO. They had faith in leadership. And they knew that they had their back. And then all of a sudden they started working with their blood, sweat, and tears, not just for that paycheck. Not just doing the very minimal so that they don't get fired. And, and, and really, I think that is just, that's the difference between a leader and a manager to me. Absolutely. I think when you um, look at 
your role, no matter what chair you're sitting in. And I mean, I haven't been a people manager my whole career. I, you know, this director thing is fairly new. So you have to really think about what it is that you're coming to work for, what it is that you're doing and keep that focus because it's so easy to compare yourself to your peers, to yeah. your managers. And then uh, in the startup world, you're constantly comparing yourself to those that have had uh, more apparent success. Of course, you don't know what it took for them to get there or what other challenges they're faced with. But if you know the vision and if you remind yourself every day, it's a, you know, a mantra when you come in, but you have to be shared with that vision. You have to be brought into it. And so, um, you know, I can think of a million days I've come in and I didn't do that as a manager. How could I have better reminded everybody, this is what we're here for. This is what we're trying to accomplish, you know, and, and while it's important to be in the weeds and get the day-to-day -day work done, always remind yourself that everything that you're doing is for a, a bigger picture and for a bigger cause. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. That's great. Hey everyone, we want to take a moment just to talk about Docket. Docket is a software as a service. It's a SaaS program for managing intelligent meetings. It was founded back in 2019 and it's raised two and three quarter million dollars from leading investment firms, including Sequoia Capital, Emergence Capital, High Alpha Capital, Elevate Ventures, Horizon Ventures, and Maven Ventures. And they even won Zoom's Whale Watch competition this past May in 2020. Docket alleviates the work spent preparing and participating in meetings and creates efficiency and alignment for all meeting participants through better meeting habits. By removing friction and enabling collaboration and integrations with other powerful video, task, and chat, and chat tools today, Docket becomes a company's enterprise system of record across the organization. Check it out. And now back to the episode. So I think at this point, it is a great time, since we're talking about great brands, to play brand culture trivia. Uh -oh. So I think, I think it's time. There's a lot on the line. I mean, the brandology bucks build up and build up and build up. The big pot today is 14,684 brandology bucks. And on our you know e-commerce site, there's a convertible Bentley. There's uh, there's a Rolls, there's the jag, Rolexes. Convertible jag, yeah. Oh yeah, who needs that? Like all of the, all of these all of these good things. Is so, there a night out for a mom? There is a yes. night out where Mark where Mark Mosher will come and watch your Babies. son. Oh. Yes. And and we will not we there's a whole disclaimer that our legal department has if he, if he manages your child for any period of time. So you have to sign a bunch of releases. There, there could be like bungee jumping and a bunch right. of other things and flame throwing and, you know, chainsaw juggling and all that that he it's likes to do. Yeah. Great. So, okay. So let's do the intro and then let's get to the questions. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome everyone to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely, the rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want, and the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points 
wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. What is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless. But we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. All right, that is a fantastic intro. We absolutely love it. So let's get right to the questions. First question is this. And guess as fast as you can, as many answers as you want, okay? What fitness program was created by martial arts instructor Billy Banks? Gold's Gym. What fitness program was created by martial arts instructor Billy Banks? Didn't it start with an X? Oh my gosh, I can't even think of it. I know, I know. It was on TV. Billy Banks had there with his spandex on constantly throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, He was there. What was it? What'd you say? Brazilian buns. That's my no, favorite. No, well, that's your movie. favorite. That's your favorite. Movie. You've got the whole series, but that's not it. Am I going to uh, have to shelve that answer? Am I going to have to shelve No, not CrossFit. That's like a real thing. Are you this sure? Is a, this is a, well, not that his thing wasn't real, because Lord knows I couldn't do it. But it's a fitness program created by Billy Banks, remember? Oh, my goodness. Great There's personality. Those commercials were so... Awful. I need to Yes, they this. were they were absolutely something that we would develop. I don't know, Mark. At that level. All right, I'm going to own that one. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to put it right here on the shelf of the Global Studios of Brandology uh, Studios. And that was Tybo. Oh. Tybo is the answer. Just letting you know, there's a lot of things there at play. Okay, let's see what Ooh. else we have. Um... Okay, what blanket with sleeves became a best-selling infomercial item? What blanket with sleeves? Snuggie. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. We have Mark. I will leave the key at the door. (laughs) This is (laughs) that is fantastic. It is one to nothing. It is a close, close, close race. So here, I'm going to go to company slogans, and then you tell me the brand or the product name, okay? Okay. The best a man can get. Gillette. Wait, so you, you, Heather, just guessed Gillette, and that is correct. Mark, what was your answer? I didn't understand the question. Could you put it in the form of a you didn't. Okay, yes. Once again, Mark cannot Gillette his way into a win, ever. That's a verb. So I'm going to Gillette you when we get off this this podcast. That that commercial song is going to be in my head the rest of the day, by oh, the way. Yeah, the Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> it is two to nothing at this point. I like to point out math to Mark. And that is, if you had 10,000 times as many points as you have right now, Heather would still be winning. Still? So, okay. All right. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. (laughs) Ooh, this will be one. I'm sure Mark will know this. 
Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's blank. I'll give him a second. What did you say, Mark? Lucky strikes? (laughs) Is that a cigarette slogan? Yeah, maybe she's born with cigarettes? (laughs) What kind of meth lab did you grow up in? Like, that's not what we're talking about. the trailer next door. (laughs) Okay. It's, uh, maybe she's born with it. No offense to our meth lab subscribers. Um, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's... Maybelline. There you go. Maybe it's Zales? No, maybe it's Maybelline. That is great. We have a winner. Three points. It's three to zero. Congratulations, Heather. Sorry, Mark. Proud winner of 14,684 brand allergy bucks. Our accounting department will be in touch with your accounting department and we will wire transfer those funds in a, I'm sure, part of a phishing scheme campaign in which <laughs> we will siphon off Bitcoin somehow. To I have else. so many people to thank. Am I allowed to give a speech? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to thank my parents, everybody who inspired me, my mom who let me wear Maybelline at a young age, things like that. Hey everyone, the Brandology team has a special coming soon and it's the rise and fall of an iconic international social media platform. At its peak, the website was valued at over $12 billion and had 75,000 new users every day. But within a few short years, it was liquidated and sold for pennies on the dollar. What went wrong? What caused this huge brand to fizzle? It was launched in 2004 and was acquired just a year later for over a half a billion dollars from Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. In fact, for the next three years, it was the largest social media site in the world. In 2006, it surpassed Google as the most visited site in the United States. So where in the world is it? Why is your new band's music not on it? Why do you not have an account on it anymore? Why even is this ridiculous podcast not hosted on it? What happened and why did it happen? Come listen as we explore in this next series the rise and fall of the iconic social media platform, MySpace. And now back to our episode. So... Okay, let me ask you this. Let's get back to the interview. So what are some of the biggest kind of challenges or struggles? Like what, like, is there anything really bad that's happened? Like career-wise, personally, that that really gave you grit or really gave you something that, you know, that 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 drives you? I mean, there wasn't a singular tragedy. I can name a well, few things good. that have definitely added to grit. You know, I okay. I lost my job very soon after coming back from maternity leave. That was a little soul crushing. It, it is, um, isn't it? It is. I mean, yes. it is. It is something that gives people PTSD. It gives people. I mean, it really. It, it people take it personally. Yeah. And I and I and I hate. You know, I've been on both sides of that, right? Where I'm as managing director or even owning my own law firm at the time, I had to I had to be the one to fire people and, and it's it's horrible. Like everybody thinks oh, it's so easy to be sitting on that side of the desk. It's it's oh, not. No. 
It's no. not. It's a horrible feeling because I know exactly what it feels like to be on that side. And, and, and that whole, oh, it's situational, it's not personal. No, it's, it's very personal, right? Because yeah. people look at it like, like they, what did they do wrong? And it's, it's not about that. Unfortunately, yes. yeah. So that You're really, right. so that really got you, especially right after you said, right after coming back from maternity leave? Two weeks after to be, oh, no. to be specific. Yes. Um, oh, you know, I, I should have known because the, uh, the last task that I had prior to going on maternity leave was to reevaluate my team and actually, unfortunately have to to let some of them go you know it wasn't uh, in the cards for them to tell me that that was a part of the plan sure. and i understand that but i think um honestly if i i could probably name 10 things very quickly that didn't go right in my career but what it meant was something amazing happened immediately after right i mean i felt very lucky i never sat i, I haven't sat without a job for a long period of time that was my only um a situation where i was on that side of the chair Yep. And of all those other, what might have mo felt like a tragedy or end of career or whatever, you know, dramatic feeling I felt at the time, there was another open door on the other side. And so I'm like grateful for everything that's happened in that regard. That's, that's a great outlook. I wanted to ask with, with Docket, what, you know, maybe hopefully it looks like we're coming out of the other side of, of a pandemic, but what's the, what's the future look like for Docket? What, what do you have on the horizon? What's your plans? That's a really great question. Um, so right now it, it's kind of a mix of growth because we're so young, but then also the excitement of the unknown. So I think it's so much fun to not know what tomorrow brings. You can look at other startups and other companies in this space and look at what they're doing and think this is gonna be next for, the, for us or this is what could happen. And you don't know, it's a different path for everyone. So. Right now, we're just trying to grow the product, um, grow our team. We've seen a lot of growth there already in the last year and a half and really grow our customer base. And then we really just kind of do the work and let it do the rest. Um, we'll continue to build relationships. We're definitely creating our culture. That's been really fun every time somebody new comes in the door to see how we change and how we grow as a team together. And we just continue to foster the teamwork that we have um, and be flexible because every day is different. Every challenge is different and there's no book for this. That's great. That's excellent. So as we, as we kind of wrap things up, my, you know, Mark usually asks his, his sacred question and, and I usually ask mine. Mine is usually where's the most interesting place you've ever traveled to? And how did it inspire you? Oh, um, really, really great question. I've seen a lot of places and I'm one of those that am insane. I find beauty in everything, you know, even murals on a wall. I can, you know, appreciate everything that I've seen. Um, really, my favorite place is Boston. I don't know if it's nostalgia, but I love, mm. you know, growing up there. I like the culture. I like the food and I love the history. I mean, take me anywhere that there's history and, and I really I geek out. I love it's amazing. The, there, there was, I went to the Italian part of town yes. for obvious reasons. And then I remember I actually flew back and brought my parents cannoli from Boston, yes. from the Italian part. And I don't know if it's just the nostalgia or whatever, but 
Nothing's ever tasted as good as that. Yes. So it's you got to go back for things. more. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. And I remember the subway or what do they call it there? The line? The tea. The tea. The tea. It was super clean. And it was almost, it was like being on the tube in London. So I, I used to live there for a little bit in the late 90s. And, and like, it's like they serve food. It's like super clean. Everybody's like real polite. They respect personal space. It's not like the subway or the L in Chicago. No, right? it's not. It's nothing like it's actually the way civilized people should travel. So yeah. like it, it, I, that's what I remember. And just the, just the housing is so beautiful. The trees, the hills, Boston is just a beautiful. So that, that's like your, the place that inspires you. Does that your family still live there? Does your family still live there? Or? I have some, you know, in and about the area. I do have a cousin that still lives downtown. And so ah. I get to see some glorious pictures of, of his family and, sure. and the home there. So he's got one of those traditional row houses, which is really oh, cool. So yeah. classy. Very yeah. cool. That's well, great. as we wind down, I do have a question. I always like to ask, and the listeners always like to to hear the answer because there's such a diversity in the answer for the same question. It's really simple as, you know, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, <laughs> all right, you can't laugh. I won't, no, because we get, we get so many answers. We've had everything, you know, from ruler of the earth to, um, you know. Ooh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh, we got one. one. Yeah, we have, we've had everything from mom to Wonder Woman, ruler yep. of the earth. Everything. Yeah, a vet, a veterinarian. Okay, so mine is a hybrid company position thing that I've got. I really wanted to be an astronaut ballerina. Wow. Yes. An astronaut awesome. ballerina. I did. I did. Okay, that's a new Don't one. tell anybody because I'm going to actually create that someday. That's so great. I, I, I mean, lose. nobody listens to this, so it's okay. <laughs> You're safe. No, that's a that's good. That's that may be one of the top top answers there. That's very cool. Yes. All right. I, I we'll see. Just so keep in touch. I'll let yeah, you know how that touch to make sure you Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for your time. We really appreciate it. I promise you this won't be our uh, last conversation. And uh, we wish you the very best. And we wish the best to Docket. So our friends at Docket have got a great, great platform and a great idea. And so that's fantastic. Thank you, Mark and David. I'm so grateful for our time. It was a lot of fun. Great. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you. See you on the other side. All right. Thank you. Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast. It means a lot. We're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for subjects, great brands that have risen and fallen, great case studies, or fantastic guests that you'd like to see, please reach out to us. Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com that's brandology podcast staff at gmail.com hey david that was another great episode we tend to post one or two a week uh, unfortunately don't really have a way of wrapping this up no uh no we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological um thank you for listening please follow and subscribe turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode you will be notified of the new content Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.